Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our Parenting on Purpose series. Enjoy listening to the sermon as we navigate the heart of parenthood. Good morning, Edge Church. It is good to be here with you today. For those online, those upstairs, everybody downstairs, it is so good to be here. And um, I'll tell you a bit about my family in a sec, but my kids, shame, they don't stand a chance. So their dad is a pastor, their mom's a psychologist, which means we get to talk about them in public. And I apologize. Barbie did that to her kids today too. It just comes to the territory. <laughs> so it's all good. We're saving up for psychological fees because we know our kids are going to need it <laughs> as we ruin them. All right. Um, before I get going this morning, I just want to honor Pastor Daniel and Pastor Leandri who are um, just having a break today. You guys have incredible pastors. Um, and it's such a privilege to be with you today and the invitation from them. Um, I just love them. They're amazing people. And thank you to the Edge team and everyone that's been hosting me so well. It's been wonderful to be here. But everybody that calls Edge Church home, the church is not a place that you come to. It's people that we engage with. And so to all of you that make this home, this feels like home um, as we serve God together, um, even our different uh, geographical locations. It's so powerful being part of the body of Christ. So thank you for having me today. Let me introduce you to my family quickly. So I'm married to uh, my husband, Rick, for a very long time, 17 years, and hopefully a lot more longer to come. And then I have three boys. Uh, their names are Nathaniel, Ephraim, and Joel. Um, they are at the moment seven, eight, and nine years old. <laughs> and so three under three uh, was my reality. Now it's just three very close together, but I had three babies and people ask me all the time, how did you do it? I have absolutely no idea. Um, it just happened. <laughs> They're still alive. And I'm grateful. <laughs> um, but they're, they're absolutely beautiful. This is them. Uh, I think it was Christmas time. And so they're getting big and beautiful. I'm an educational psychologist. That's what I do throughout the week. Um, along with my mothering and um, wifing. And uh, serving at Bridge Church. Um, and then I realized that when I work with people, I have a lot of information and my brain goes a million miles a second. And I started to realize the more I spoke with parents and was helping them uh, with guidance and advice, they would walk out of my office with eyes this big because it's just too much too soon. <laughs> and so I took some time last year to write a book on parenting and just uh, sharing my journey of parenting and some of the principles I've learned through parenting and through uh, research um, and working with other families. And so I've put that together um, as a helpful tool. So instead of being bombarded with too much in one go, you can take it step by step and work through it at your own pace. Um, and so we do have copies available today of that. It's called Journey Together because parenting is a journey. It's a journey. And so we started a series last week. Pastor Dan um, began the series, introduced it, called Parenting on Purpose. Um, and as we go through this parenting journey, there are so many pathways available to us. How do we raise our kids? Where do we go with our kids? What do we do for our kids? How do we parent correctly? And it feels like there's all these pathways 
and which one do we take? Like, what's the right thing to do as a 21st century parent? What is the right thing to do? And the reality is that the direction we take is always determined by the desired destination. So wherever we go, it's really dependent on where you want to end up. So if you want to go to Joburg, N1 North. If you want to go to the southern suburbs, M5 South. The journey, the destination, that will always tell us which road to take. And so in this series, we are asking the question of how do we raise children to be strong in their faith and fully focused on Jesus? Because we can be good parents. We can be 21st century parents. There's so much in parenting. But specific to this topic, how do we build their faith? How do you bring them closer to Jesus? And so we're going to look at God's insights and his guidance and how we can get to this goal together today. Is that okay? All right, so Pastor Daniel spoke last week about parents' priorities. And the first thing is that we need to love God with our everything. And the second thing he spoke to was that we're leading our families. And that means we're training our children in God's ways and leading them in that. And so today, we're going to look at part two, and we're looking at unchanging principles of parenting. Unchanging parenting principles. Okay. Are you ready? Let's go. Anybody read a parenting book recently? Okay. Anybody follow Instagram moms, dads? Okay, the ones that do the dad jokes are really great. I love punny things. Absolutely. That you'll get me every time. Okay. Um, anybody follow professionals? Insta professionals. There we go. I see a couple of hands. Alrighty. So we all kind of have some information. Who goes to their best friend for parenting advice? Okay, I'm one of those people. <laughs> Who goes to the pastor for parenting advice? Okay. <laughs> all right. And my favorite one, Google. Okay, I love Google. I don't know what I'd do without Google. All right, but here's the thing, and I found this, that when we go looking for advice, when we go looking for uh, what do we do in situations, we're going to find information. There is not a lack of information these days. And in my life, before I do anything, I need to know what I'm getting myself into. So I'm the kind of person who's, I'm going to read up on something before I do anything. Um, The doctor will write me a prescription. I will go read the package insert before I put it in my body. (laughs) I'm that person, right? Before I follow the GPS, I look at the full route and where we're turning and try to memorize it just in case you run out of data, okay? I am that. I need to know before I do anything. And so before having kids, I was studying psychology and I found like just child development was absolutely fascinating. And so I wanted to know more and more. So part of that, then I ended up researching parenting, did research on parenting, a thesis on parenting, a doctorate thesis on parenting, and now a book on parenting. I did a lot of reading on parenting. And the more I read, the more I realized not everything lines up. There seems to be this contradicting, in, contradictory information sometimes. You know, like, for example, do we co-sleep? Or do children have to have their own room? Yeah? Or do we time out or time in? Okay, those, those who've like followed anybody anywhere, you know what I'm talking about. Or teenagers, do we take away their phones when there's problems? Or do we let them keep their phones because it's their whole social life and without it, they're going to die? You know? Uh, <laughs> 
like it doesn't matter who you're following or who you're reading, this practice and this practice just don't seem to line up. And this information and that information just doesn't seem to line up. And it's so confusing. You speak to this parent and this works and you speak to that parent and that works. You read this book and it worked for whoever wrote the book. And then when you tried it with your own kids, it didn't work. And when you've read over 200 different articles and books and, and you have your own kids and it doesn't work, what do you do? <laughs> so what do we do? Well, when we find ourselves in the sea of information overload and practices that are so contradictory to each other, we have to ask ourselves, well, how do I navigate through all of this? Because it's so much and there's just so much that we can't quite figure out or don't know what to do. And so it's almost like being in the sea of insecurity and being very unsure. So we need to figure out how do we navigate through it. You know, we, we need to get somewhere and we know what we want to achieve. So how do we navigate through it? And the principles of navigation are based on things that do not change. And so in our practices, we have to come to principles that do not change. Just like when we navigate and you're looking at your GPS, the reason it can tell you where to go is because it understands where you are in relation to the world and north, which does not change. Yes? And so we have to figure out what are those unchangeables, those permanent things, those unwavering things, those predictable things that are going to lead us to the outcomes that we really want and desire for our children. And in this case, the outcome is leading them closer to Jesus. So how do we do that? What are the principles? And so if we're following all of these people and reading all of these books, the reality is that we're looking for someone to guide us and help us. And if we could find the perfect parent, you know, that one that gets it completely right every time, whose kids are just amazing, like, like just perfect, somewhere out there in the world, like we would, we would follow them, right? We'd be like, what are you doing right that I can do that it can be right? So if we could find the perfect parent, that would be really helpful. And when we look at the Bible... God is described as a father. In fact, Paul even writes in Ephesians, and he says that God is the father from whom every family derives its name. Every family. It's so powerful. And when we look at Jesus' life when we're reading the Bible, we see that he talks about God in this affectionate term, Abba. Or in English, it would be Daddy, Papa. It's this beautiful affection of closeness. And then John, who is Jesus' best friend and one of his followers, he writes that God is love. God is love. And so if we think about Jesus and we think about God described as Father and we think about the Bible, we're left with this question of like, okay, so what do I want to do with this and what does this mean to me? And the reality when it comes to faith in Jesus is that there is historical evidence that Jesus was a person on earth. But the faith part comes in is that he made these ridiculous claims. And the one claim he said is, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Basically saying, I am God. When you look at me, you are experiencing God. When you watch my life, you are watching God. As you get to know me, you get to know God. And that is the faith part. That's what we have to wrestle with. Do I believe this? 
so if God is a father and if God is love and Jesus says, when you look at me, you look at God, well, if that is true, then what can we learn about God as a father? What can we learn about love when we look at Jesus? And if we've chosen to follow Christ, well, that means that I will follow his example because I've chosen to. But if you're questioning it, that's okay. You can listen and hear what this example looks like and then decide later if this is something you want to get to know more about and follow in his example. So let's have a look and see what Jesus shows us about the Father and about parenting and about love. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 10. And Mark is written by a man called Mark. But actually, he's just writing down what Peter has seen. And Peter was one of Jesus' followers. And he's writing down what Peter's telling him. So he's being dictated to and writing it down. So Peter's telling this this story. And he says here, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus. So he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded or discouraged the parents from bothering him. And when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with the disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will never enter it. Then he took the children, one by one, in his arms, embraced them, and placed his hands on their head and blessed them with kind and encouraging words. Now, whenever we read the Bible, we can read it as like an information book which is helpful to a point. But if you take it and you put yourself in the story, it transforms into an experience. So today I want to encourage you, let's put ourselves in the story and experience what's happening. Three years. Jesus had three years to accomplish God's purposes on earth. Three years. I don't know if you've ever had a three-year deadline. It feels very far away. But usually when you have such a big deadline, you have a big workload attached to it, yes? And so you've got to work through it. So anybody who's studying, if you're doing undergrad, three years is not long enough. It is tight. It is hard work. Three years. So Jesus has three years to accomplish what God has got for him. And the disciples that are around him, they get this. There are people to see. There are places to go. Come on, Jesus, let's go. There's the crowd. Let's go preach. Let's go teach. Let's go feed people. Like, let's go. We're going to do this thing. And along comes one day, these parents with their kids. And the disciples are like, what are you doing here? We've got three years. Okay, they didn't really know it was three years. But we got three years to like change the world. Okay, what are you doing here with your kids? You know, they're noisy, they're disruptive, they're interrupting, you know, they're pushing each other and pinching each other and, you know, throwing mud at each other and just causing a riot. And we're doing important work here. Jesus is too busy. Go away. Just go away. And I would probably be one of those people because I'm very task oriented. (laughs) Jesus, because like if we were writing the story, this is how we are, right? We, we live, we work, we're in a hurry, we you know, sit in traffic and you're not supposed to be on your cell phone, but you're multitasking because it's not enough time and you're getting home and you're supposed to be doing this, but it's not enough time and we're always multitasking. And I love this because Jesus, oh man, Jesus never sticks to the script. Have you noticed? Like it should go this way and then Jesus is like, nope, we're going this way. 
We are busy doing important work, but nope, Jesus doesn't stick to the script and he stops. He stops and he puts his busyness aside and he comes down to these children's level and he engages with these children and he talks to them one-on-one, individual attention and he holds them and he speaks blessing and encouraging words over them even though he's so busy. Whoa. You see, this is what's so powerful, that he prioritizes their need for connection with him over the tasks and the busyness that need to be done. And what this reminds us of is that we are created for relationship. We're created in the image of God, and God is love. So we are created in the image of love to be loved and to love. And that's why our vision statement is love God, love people, because this is what we're created to do. And this is what Jesus is showing us about his father and how we can be his parents. And so what are some things, principles that we can use in our everyday parenting? So the first one is attentive time. Attentive time. And the big thing here, Jesus says, says, let the children come to me. Come, be with me. And what it's speaking about here is quality over quantity. And I can just hear you all go, oh, thank goodness, because I don't know when I'm going to find another extra couple hours in my day. <laughs> quality over quantity. There's this beautiful principle that I came across called a three-by-three three principle. And it's really speaking to how we can engage our children after times of separation from them. Just for three minutes of absolute attention and connection, priority after times that we've been away from them. And so the first one is after they wake up, the separation of sleep. First thing in the morning to connect with your kids. Give them your undivided attention for a few minutes. Embrace them, love them, talk to them, but three minutes of undivided attention. The second one is when they come home from school because we've been separated throughout the day. And so the first thing together, we reconnect with them and engage them. How are you doing? How is your day? Tell me what's happening in your life. Priority, attention. And then the third one is just before bed, just before the long night ahead again, to connect with them, sit with them, talk with them about the day. Three minutes, three times a day makes the world of difference. And that's just a starting point that we can grow from. The next thing we think about is priority and presence. When we look at Jesus in this moment of attentive time, is he's right there, he's present. Not here, then, everywhere. It was that one-on-one attention, the individual attention, giving his full attention to somebody. And what's really powerful, if we look at brain development with young children, when parents or mothers are, are breastfeeding their children, when dads are bottle feeding them, the eye contact between a parent and a child stimulates all of this neural development in the brain and it grows and and it forms connections and there's powerful things that are happening and in fact somebody was telling me the other day about research now um, with uh, parents being on their cell phones during that process is actually influencing brain development in young children because they're not engaging with their eyes. It stimulates oxytocin, which is our bonding hormone that draws us together. Eye contact between people, so vital. Eye contact with our children. Nurturing their needs. Time, attentive time is not about us, it's about them. 
what do they need? And when we're attentive, we get to learn and understand what is it that our children need from us so we can engage them where they're at. So if your children are into cars, get into cars. And if your children are into gaming, practice those thumbs. Okay, you might, not get, might need to go see a physio afterwards, but you know, get, get the thumbs going. If your children have a certain style of music, okay, check the words on the music, but certain style of music, embrace the music. So my middle son, uh, he was in utero when we were in a large church with big subwoofers, and we'd stand in the front row. <laughs> so my middle son is heavy, heavy, heavy bass, so usually like intense music. And so their playlist ranges from the latest show tunes on the best movie they've just watched, all the way to like really heavy things. And um, in our house, it's like all music is welcome. We check the words. All music is welcome though. But when the bass starts pumping, we go like, guys, put it down, drop the volume. You want to listen to your music? Just drop the volume. (laughs) But we connect at their level because when we know where they're at, we get to help walk the journey with them and move with them where they need to go. And then the other thing with time, you know, time is so limited and it goes so quickly. And we're talking just now, you know, uh, the, the phrase, the The days are long, but the years are short. Our kids grow up so quickly. But if you think about financial investment, the sooner you start investing, the better the returns and the interest grows. If we invest a little bit consistently over time, the earlier we start, the better. But if you're late to the party, it's not over. You can start investing at any point in your life but it's the consistency over time that translates into something worthwhile. And so regardless of how old your children are, whether they're little, whether they're adults, if we start investing time, over time, it pays off a little bit, little bit consistently. The second thing we can see with Jesus, so the first thing is attentive time, being there, being present, engaging. The second thing is loving touch. And it says in verse 16, it says, He took the children one by one in his arms, embraced them, and placed his hands on their heads. Our sensory system connects us to the world. It connects us to one another. Just think about it. Everything you know, everything you experience, everything you respond to, you do because you have sensed it. You've seen it. You've felt it. You've heard it. And we have five visible senses and two hidden senses. Our five senses, most of us will know, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. And it is our touch system, our skin, that is our biggest sense organ. And then internally we have balance and we have pressure. Helps us to understand where we are in the world. Which is really helpful because when you're in Cape Town and it's just rained and you're driving through Okapsavach, and you see the beautiful water pouring off the mountain and the beautiful green and you go around the corner and you just see all of Cape Town and then you go around another corner and suddenly the sun is behind you and this beautiful rainy clouds in front of you and the most glorious rainbow appears. What do you do? You go, <gasps> and then of course, Okapsavak bends the other direction and all you want to do is, <gasps> which is not good when you're driving a friend's car <laughs> or any car really. So, <laughs> but our senses connect us with the world. And our senses connect us to one another. 
And our sense of touch is one of the most powerful ones because it communicates connection with one another and develops intimacy with one another. It helps us to love one another physically. And so when it comes to our children, touch is so important because it communicates our love to them. Touch also helps us with our protection mechanisms. So we know about appropriate touch and inappropriate touch. It helps us to also know this is a safe person. And when it's not, we distance ourselves. This is somebody I can come close to and trust intimately. And this is somebody I need distance with. Our bodies are so powerful. And in this passage, we see that Jesus is embracing the children and touching them with love and speaking blessing over them. And the phrase here, um, I can't say it, haptomahi, I think. (laughs) I have no idea. But it means to attach oneself to, embrace or touch, to attach oneself to. There is a sense of intimacy. And we read later on in Mark chapter 6, he says that All who touched him, that's Jesus, were healed. When we embrace Jesus, when we come to him, when we connect with him, there is healing that flows. And it's so interesting that in our bodies, if you've ever um, gone for a massage or if you've ever gone for physio or sport massage, it's a deep pressure that starts to stimulate internal healing. Your body just starts to do what it needs to do to make things right. It's incredibly powerful. And just imagine this on a spiritual level when we come to Jesus and he touches us. That internal healing that takes place and just brings such a sense of peace. So there's different kinds of touch practically that we can have with our children. There's this touch for connection. Things like our high fives, fist pumps, our hugs, Um, It just helps us to connect with one another, to bridge that gap. And I remember in COVID that when I was working with children with play therapy, when they trust you, they want to give you a hug before they go because it's that sense of I'm letting you into my world and we can walk this journey together. And I just remember in COVID, I had like kids who wanted to come and hug and it was kind of like, what do we do with this now? We're not supposed to. Touch creates connection. Touch can also be for correction as well. Connection, correction. Just think about your kids when they're about to run into the road or if you have to break suddenly. I remember my mom always do that. When she broke suddenly in the car, her arm would go out. It's that sense of correction and, and protection. And, you know, or when your kids are running into the road and you literally grab them and hold them back. Um, so touch for, for correction, for comfort. Just think about when, when we're sad and we put our hand on somebody's shoulders or... We hold each other in, in deep trauma and deep pain. Um, we just put our hands on somebody's hands to say, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, touch is powerful. It's this connecting. It's a sense of, I'm with you in this. And then there's this touch to cover, the, this protection. We, think about when we put our kids in close, you know, to kind of get them away from something or hold them away from their pain and, and say, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to protect you in this. Touch is so powerful in communicating to our children. And in Psalm 131, there's this beautiful picture that the psalmist is writing about God. And he says, like a contented child resting in its mother's lap, I am content. My soul is content in you. Wow, how God holds us and loves us. And what's so powerful when it comes to touch is that we are so unique in the way we experience touch in our senses. And this is, this is where we can you know, weigh up the appropriate and inappropriate touch Number one, it's the level of intimacy. We don't let people in close when we don't trust them. 
But the other thing is that we each have these different thresholds and levels of how we interpret touch. And so the touch that is received, if it's appropriate or inappropriate, is determined by the person receiving. Because something is okay for one person, but it's not okay for another. And that's just how our sensory systems work. And it's a marvelous thing that as we engage our kids attentively, we can actually see. My middle son loves deep pressure. And when I squeeze the living daylights out of him, he is so happy. He literally just like, ah, do it again. <laughs> my youngest son is very like, you know, don't, don't come in my space. And my oldest, shame, you just touch him lightly and he's like, you know, ready, oh, all on guard. He hates haircuts because it literally like irritates him. Our sensory systems are so different. And this is uniqueness that we can engage with one another in different ways uniquely when we are attentive, when we understand that touch connects us, and when we watch and see how they receive or how they're interpreting our touch to them. So attention, attentive time. Loving touch. And the last one, encouraging talk. Jesus blessed them with kind and encouraging words. And this is talking about communication to connect us deeply. But it's both listening and speaking. Communication is both listening and speaking. And so in our attentive time, we're listening. Where are you at? Where do I sit with you? How do I help you? so that we can then speak into our kids' lives what is important for them. And so some things we can listen to and watch and be attentive to is their tone, their body posture, their tempo, how quickly they're talking, their words that they're using, and really importantly, that which they are not saying. There's a lot to be said when something's left out. And then we can speak to them. And what we can speak to them, just like Jesus, is words of kindness, What's our tone saying? Is it warm? Is it open? What's our body posture saying? I'm over you or I'm with you. We come to their level. Encouragement. How do we affirm them? How do we build them up with our words? How do we speak to who they are over just what they do? You are mine. I love you. You belong to me. That is so powerful and so much uh, more affirmative than, well done for doing this. It speaks to who we are more than what we do. And it's so powerful. In Matthew chapter 3, Matthew is writing and he says that the Father God speaks over Jesus before Jesus does anything. And he says, this is my son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased it starts out of who he is and that he is loved. Not because he did amazing things. It's because of that that he then did what he was called to do. And for us with our children, if we can speak to who they are before they do anything, it's so powerful. It releases them to be who God has called them to be. And the last thing we can speak of our children is truth. Sure, in a world where there's so much information, so much opinion, what is truth? And we need to be speaking into their identity, into their purpose, and into their value. And you're going to speak depending on what you believe. Who determines that is what you will speak over your children. And so if we are following Jesus, Jesus claimed, remember he had those wild claims? He said, I am truth. I'm the way. 
I've forgotten the first one. Life, way, truth. Those three. In the wrong order, but those three. <laughs> he said he's truth. So if we're going to speak truth, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we know truth, the more we can speak identity, purpose, and value of our children. We speak into who they are, their potential, their uniqueness when we speak that. And it's so powerful. So it's this attentive time, this loving touch, and these encouraging words that are principles that we can use to love our children and help them connect more with Jesus. But I want you to just take a moment. Let's go back to the story. I want you to imagine the story now as a child in that story. Whatever age you go back to, I'll probably go back to like a seven-year-old, head in the clouds, ready for a fun day out, and I'm going to get into trouble because I just forget to do stuff. And I wonder, if I do this, what will happen? And then I get into trouble. Sounds like my middle son. He's so like me. <laughs> Always in trouble. So you're busy in this crowd and you just know your parents are going to moan at you and dad's eyeballing you and mom's like shushing you and everybody's bumping. And in this moment, wherever you are, whatever kind of kid you are, the compliant one or the non-compliant one, suddenly you, you hear your name and you're like, that's not my parents. <laughs> no, it's that man that everybody's here to see. He's calling me. He's calling my name. Me? And so you kind of look and, and then you see him. And he's beckoning you over. He's like, come. How are you doing? Tell me what's going on. This parent's treating you okay. <laughs> and he starts to speak to you and encourage you and tell you about who you are and what you can be and how much he loves you. And then he opens up his arms and you know, like, you're just sitting there, you know you're safe, so, so you just go in for the biggest bear hug. And as he holds you, he prays over you, and you just, just everything, everything in you just comes into alignment. And you just know that you know that you know that you're loved. Do you know Jesus invites us to that still today? You don't have to be a kid. As adults, if we can come to Jesus as children, we can help our children come to Jesus with us. The most powerful verse in this story for me is verse 13. Some, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus. You see, when we come to Jesus and we spend time with Him, we become like Him. But when we bring our children to Jesus, you know, we're humans. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to let them down. We're going to hurt them. We're going to say sorry and own our part. But when we let them down, we've brought them to Jesus who never will. We've brought them to experience the Father who is love and who never fails and who never leaves and who never forsakes. And so how do we take these principles, this time, these touchless words, and bring them to Jesus with us? We need to encounter Jesus for ourselves. And then we bring them with on this journey. Don't live your Christianity privately. Do it for real in front of your children. This is the beauty of faith in Christ. We come in our brokenness and He loves us as we are. And so as we journey with Him, our children see, I don't have to be perfect, I'm just loved. 
when we figure out that we don't have to be perfect, we're just loved, we can love better. We can engage our kids better. We can say sorry better. (laughs) We can be attentive to them. We can speak life and truth into them. Sit together, hold hands together, worship together, pray over them, pray together, trust them for their needs and their difficulties. Read the Bible together. Put yourselves in the stories together. Act it out if you have young kids. So much fun. Talk about what God is doing. At the moment as a family, we're going through a situation and it's like, we don't have answers, but let's trust God together. Let's see Him come through again. Come to church together. Let's bring our children to Jesus together. Let's take some time to pray. You can close your eyes. Jesus, thank you that you call us. You call us to yourself as your children. Jesus, I pray that right now as we sit here that we will experience your presence, Holy Spirit, your love. For parents in the room who have chosen to follow Jesus, what is the one thing from today that has stood out to you? The one thing from today that you want to make a shift in your family to engage your children attentively with touch with words what is just one thing and take a step in that and keep stepping in that until it becomes normal maybe there's one thing you need to do together to walk with your children to Jesus what is that one thing I want you to just settle that in your heart with Jesus right now and then there's some in the room maybe online You've heard these claims of Jesus and you want to know a bit more about him? This man that claimed to be God, that claims to show us the Father, that that shows us love. And you want to take a step and say, I want to find out a little bit more about him. If that's you, can I ask you just to raise your hands just as a sign of, I I, I want to know more. I, I want to take a step. Thank you. I see those hands. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Like, I, just, I just want to know more about this Jesus and, and these claims and who he is and follow his example. Thank you. There's hands going all over the room. Wonderful. Look, God, I pray right now. As they've made that decision to say, I want to take a step. I pray, Lord God, that you will help them to encounter you and to follow you in Jesus' name. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.